before this episode starts, I just wanted to inform everybody about the films Mark Williams has made. Mark Williams is a filmmaker, and he has made the films I Will Remember and Warrior Coach. I Will Remember is a short documentary that was produced by the Choctaw Nation, Oklahoma Historic Preservation Department. It tells the unknown stories of the last Choctaw removal that took place in 1903 to a building in the Ardmore area. These Mississippi Choctaws that were placed in what is now Chickasaw Nation territory helped revitalize the nation to some of the Choctaw practices and traditions we see today. This film will make its Arkansas premiere at Fort Smith International Film Festival at 2.55 p.m. at the Bakery District, 70 South 7th Street in Fort Smith. This is August 14th. And also heading to that same film festival is Warrior Coach. Warrior Coach is starring Chris Jones as the Justice Warriors basketball team. Mark Williams goes behind the scenes to capture their story as they compete for another state championship. And this film is also going to the Great Plains Film Festival. And you can check these out August 14th in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, September 17th through the 19th in Tuttle, Oklahoma for the Great Plains Film Festival. And you can also go to fortsmithfilm.com and see the com- see the and see the complete schedule and ticket information. So once again this is for Mark Williams. Good luck, bro. If you don't know who Mark Williams is, he was on episode 23 of Oki Podcast. So make sure you go listen to that episode if you haven't. Great dude, great filmmaker, great vision. I mean, he just does it all. Everybody, welcome back to Oki Podcast. I have another amazing guest for today. He is a TV writer, comedian, and he has written for the shows like Spirit Rangers on Netflix, Molly of Denali on PBS, and New Looney Tunes on Cartoon Network. My guest for today is Joseph Clift. Yeah, how's it going? Jo- Joey Clift. I go by Joey a lot. Hey, Joey? Okay. Joey. Yeah. Joey Clift, everybody. Joey. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. How's it going, everybody? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, excited to chat. Um, wait, where where in Oklahoma are you at? I'm in Broken Arrow. Oh, where where is that as relates to Tulsa? Uh, it's really close. It's in Tulsa County. I mean, oh, so dope. I mean, it's like right, like on 71st Street. Like you just go down 71st, it turns into Kenosha, and so oh, yeah, yeah, it's like right there. I've only been to Oklahoma a little bit. I uh, like I, I got hired by Illuminative to do like a writing job uh, in 2019, and uh, it was dope. It was like we stayed at the the Osage Resort, and uh, I ate a whole lot of melted cheese that week. It was great. I think that's most of what I ate for every meal. Uh, I think I put on maybe 10 pounds of just like cheese weight or whatever. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was dope. It was like they took us all around Tulsa. Like we went to the the like the center of the universe or whatever there's mm. that like 
that like thing that you'd stand on where you can hear an echo only if you're standing on it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and like hung out around like kind of the Osage Reservation a lot. It was it was dope. It was cool. It was a good area. Yeah, I went there. Uh, we went there Saturday night. That's my first time going to that. Uh, the center of the universe. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when we got there, because we rode those scooters over there. Sweet. And um, I was like, man, let's go check. It was like, we went to a Drillers game. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then um, we're like, let's ride these scooters around. So we're just riding around Tulsa downtown. And um, and then, I don't know, we're just riding around. And I just It just came to me. I was like, let's, um, let's go to the center of the universe. So we had to find it. And we went up there. And we stood in the middle. And I didn't really hear it because everybody's being so loud. And there's a train going by, too. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like well, I guess everything has to be quiet. So it got real quiet and then we tried it and it was, it was pretty cool. It was uh, you could hear the echo and it was really crazy. Yeah. It's like, uh, for, for those of you that don't know what it is, the center of the universe, it's basically this like manhole cover sized thing, kind of like on a, on a walking bridge in Tulsa, where if you stand on it and you talk, you can hear your voice echoing, but nobody around you can hear your voice echo. Like it's, nuts if you ever go to tulsa like i strongly suggest checking it out it's very weird it's also a really good donut place within walking distance you can go there afterwards it's great yes um and what is that donut place called uh, i forget what it's called but it oh my god it definitely felt What's like that it donut was place like... called huh oh hertz donuts oh yeah yeah, that place yeah. Is great. yeah it's like it's like any type of weird donut topping that you want that place has got it don't or it's a 24 7 too oh yeah, so. yeah totally, totally, totally. <laughs> oh sick so if you want like if you want a donut with like with like bacon and a banana on it at four in the morning that place has got your hookup <laughs> you go there and yeah you get to hook up i mean they got i like the um the last time i went there i got the um lucky charms with the they had the sprinkled all donuts so it's pretty good uh, yeah i think i think when i went i got like it had it like it was like a donut, but like the 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 frosting on it was like Oreo like middle like Oreo cream, and it Whoa. had like Oreo chunks on it. And it was just like, oh man, this is this is like way too good. This is like dangerously good. Like, <laughs> uh, oh man, that sounds really good. I'm gonna have to go over there and try. Yeah, we didn't go there. We we're like it was too hot to try to eat. Man, it was right, hot right, right. <laughs> Yeah, how how hot is it in uh, in Oklahoma nowadays? Oh man, it's right now. It's getting really hot. It's about a hundred degrees right now. Oh shit! I'm uh, I live in Los Angeles, and it's like probably around ninety degrees or something right now. It's like, it's like it's definitely like a, like too hot to get writing done. It's <laughs> like I just like sleep during the day, and then at night I'll be like, okay, now it's cold enough that I can like think. <laughs> oh man how's la been uh la is good it's uh we're yeah i mean you know like we're definitely recording this you know during a pandemic which uh is uh of course rough but it's like we're um uh we like we were we're seeing some kind of like numbers spikes so like mask mandates and stuff like that are coming back which is like you know for sure a bummer but it's also like important to be safe and all that stuff but uh other than that, you know, like LA is good. It's like, uh, you know, uh, like stuff starting to come back in the entertainment industry, like shops are coming back, shows are filming and stuff. So it's like, definitely feels like we're on like the upswing on things, you know? 
Mm. Yeah, it's got to be safe out there. Yeah, totally, I mean, totally. Yeah, be smart out there. And yeah, yeah, but there's been a lot of movies coming out, so that's good. I mean, oh yeah, have you have you been tracking like the the Scorsese movie, The Flower Moon? Uh, kind of, but not really. I guess they're almost done, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think so. I'm like entirely basing this on like friends of mine that are in it. They're like clearly posting Instagram photos that aren't in Oklahoma. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, at least at least their part, their part of filming it is done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I heard. Um, yeah, it has to be almost done because I think I heard when they started filming because you know they came down and. They did the fitting. When was that? Like 2019? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they did the fitting for everybody, and everybody's really excited. And then 2020 happened, and then shut everything down. They shut that down. And then just like the first of this year, they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna start doing it." You know, we're gonna start filming and get in production. And I think I read somewhere that they're gonna do it in like eight months or nine months or something, and they're gonna do it all then and get finished and get to the editing process of it so um yeah that's remember when that was yeah it's it's really cool to see like i don't know like like i have a lot of friends in oklahoma that are like getting they're getting like their first industry jobs on like stuff like that and like reservation dogs and stuff and it's like it's so dope that like tv and film productions like specifically like native tv and film productions or films you know they're like making it a point to like give people shots in how they hire you know which is dope mm-hmm. yeah and reservation dogs that was that's coming out fast too oh yeah it's coming out like in a week or two i'm still yeah they just got done in what june like yeah. first of june oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i think they, yeah, they just got done like around june i think the first episode comes out it's like uh the first or second week of august i forget the date um but yeah it's uh all the trailers for it look real cool i'm excited about it I think it's gonna oh, be real good man. it looks really smooth like i watched trailers for it it looks man it looks really cool yeah yeah i can't wait to watch it <laughs> well joey uh for the listeners um could you tell you know where you grew up and then did you you know did you move around a lot and what kind of just led into being a comedian and a writer and just all the things you do now Wait, you mean this podcast isn't just me talking about my favorite donut place in Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> and you can talk more about that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, great, great. Uh, yeah, so uh, my deal, uh, I'm an uh, enrolled Cowlitz based out of Southern Washington State, like kind of Matt St. Helens, their Aboriginal territory. And I, I grew up on the Tulalip Reservation about like 45 minutes north of Seattle. And um, yeah, like I, uh, growing up, I really loved comedy. Um, like, you know, I definitely like shows like The Simpsons, Family Guy, stuff like that were like definitely shows that I just like loved a lot growing up. But like, you know, like, I feel like I grew up in a weird time where it was like Charlie Hill wasn't on TV as much. So like because of that, I like to me, I didn't see any like other native comedians on TV. So I didn't really think I was like allowed to work in comedy. So I went to school for what to me felt like the next best thing, which was to be like a small market TV weather guy, like, mm-hmm. you know, guys in the weather that like, you know, crack jokes. And I was like, oh, that makes sense as to how to like get paid to do comedy. And um, fortunately, like while that was happening, I like decided to go to school for it. I went to the Edward Murrow College of Communication at Washington State University, like just like a super legit, like television journalism school. And while I was doing that, it's like, it was real clear to my professors that like, 
oh, I'm just doing this so I could like be funny on TV. So they were like, oh, why don't you just be a comedian? <laughs> so um, I, you know, I took their advice, moved to Los Angeles um, around 2010. And, um, you know, really just like kind of dove into uh, like working in comedy with both feet. Like um, I, wait, is that a dog? Am I hearing a dog toy? Yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> oh, sweet. Wait, what's your dog's name? Uh, uh, Natalia. Natalia. Oh, is it named after? Wait, why Natalia? Why named after anything in particular? There she is. Ah, uh, that's cute. That's a good dog. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, but uh, she's named after you know the wrestler. Oh shit. WWE. Oh, we talk, okay, I'm a huge wrestling fan. We should talk wrestling after this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> dope. Uh. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, anyway, enough about my bullshit. Let's talk about like, <laughs> Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona at GCW yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, like I'm somebody that like, you know, I feel like I, I didn't feel like I was like allowed to work in comedy. And it wasn't until like I got kind of like the right compliments from my professors to like actually move to L.A. and pursue it. So I moved to L.A., you know, really, you know, dove in with both feet to like the L.A. comedy scene, like places like the Upright Systems Brigade Theater, Second City, places that like uh shows like saturday night live kind of uses farm leagues and um you know really just like hustled my way up in those communities like sketch comedy improv like you know live performance stuff and like that kind of led to um you know like being on sketch groups with people that like eventually were in positions where they could hire me for writing jobs and then like that kind of while i was doing that i was like you know getting hired for other things and then just kind of like things built built on top of things and built on top of things and then um you know, eventually that led to, um, you know, just all the cool stuff that I'm working on now. And then, um, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, I try to use my position in the entertainment industry because like, like the numbers are way better now, but it's like, even five years ago, there were like so few natives that like were, I would say getting like opportunities in the entertainment industry and kind of mainstream comedy spaces. Mm -hmm. So I've like tried to use my position to like, you know meanwhile like while i'm kind of on this rise i'm also super involved in native hollywood and like i know a ton of just like super funny native comedians like people like you know janice meeting jim rule like caitlin jeffers and all those folks that are like super funny but not really getting a ton of like mainstream opportunities so i tried to like do what i could uh at places like the upright citizens brigade the theater to like put together like native comedy showcases, you know, like boosting people up on like big podcast networks and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, so like, it, it's been really cool to see, like, I feel like this was, you know, three, four years ago that I was really diving into the stuff that like, now I feel like we've all kind of been doing that for each other. So like, we're all kind of raising up together, which is really cool. So it's like, you know, those people that I did like that first native comedy showcase at UCB back in 2018, like, you know, those folks are like starring and writing on Rutherford Falls now and like, you know, like writing on shows like Spirit Rangers and like acting in crazy things and, you know, selling their own things. And it's like we're all, you know, we're all like lifting up at the same time, which is super cool to see. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then how long <clears throat> how long have you been uh, in this industry? Um, I mean, it's tough to like it's tough to qualify because like I was like uh like I, I did a lot of comedy stuff when I was in high school. So mm -hmm. um, I like, you know, hosted talent shows and like, you know, did stand up a little bit when I was like a teenager and kind of in my like early 20s. So like, 
by and I'm a you know I'll, I'll I'll say my age I'm I'm 37 I'm way old and um like I so like I think I started doing this stuff when I was like 15 16 so mm -hmm. like just like from straight up doing comedy at all like it's probably legit been like 20 21 years of just like having that be like a major focus of my life but like as far as like professional work goes moving to LA and all that probably about 10 11 years mm. wow and then wow but I mean it's been a it's been a long you know journey you know it's, it's taking its time and yeah yeah. But that's like that's like the the thing that you hear like there, there's a saying that gets thrown around a lot that it's like it takes 10 years for an overnight success so it's mm -hmm. like if you like if somebody seems like they came out of nowhere and they're like all of a sudden really blowing up you know and getting a lot of opportunities and jobs and stuff it's like oh they've probably been hustling for like a decade to get to that point it's just this is the first time you're hearing of them so yeah. like you know, that, that's definitely like, I feel like for me, like my, you know, I've been hustling in Hollywood since 2010 and like, you know, probably been doing comedy even before that as far back as like, you know, 2000, 2001 or something like that. And um, like, I really, I don't feel like I've started to get like real opportunities until really the past like two years. Mm -hmm. um, and, but you know, the benefit of that is that it's like, because I've like hustled so much and like really like worked on my craft for so long. It's like when I get like cool opportunities, I like know I'm going to do a good job. Cause it's like, I know I've like put the work in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's always like, that's what I've been told too. You know, like when the time comes for all that, you're going to be primed and ready, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I was, what I've been told doing this. Like when you're, when your time comes for people to like really start, you know giving you whatever whatever they want to give you or whatever like you're going to be ready for it so yeah it's like uh like i think that um like like i think like really like the 1491s guys and sterling harjo were like good examples to look at of like oh like the 1491s posted their first video sketch in like 2009 or 2008 or something like that like mm -hmm. sterling harjo i think his first feature came out or his first short or something came out in like 2004 and it's like oh like it so it's like you know it's definitely one of those things where it's like it you know it takes a while and it's something where you just kind of got to keep at it and keep on making stuff and like that's uh that's just like that's the key is to like just keep on working on your craft and like if you're like you know a nice person and you put your stuff out there it's like eventually stuff will happen and like you know it might feel like it takes forever and it you know kind of does but it's also like um you know it's uh it's just a matter of just keeping at it and keeping doing it you know mm -hmm. yeah just stay consistent with it yeah totally totally and don't get uh don't get down you know if you're not making waves or whatever but you are to somebody you know somebody's always watching I mean, oh yeah totally and that's like yeah that's something that's like i feel like like whenever i'm feeling down about like you know uh like if i'm like going through a spat where it's just like stuff's not totally happening it's like and i like go back home and visit friends they're like they're like the most supportive because they like they like they went to those talent shows that i hosted when i was like 16 <laughs> and they're like yo man it's like dope that you're like still grinding away and still doing cool stuff and it's like oh i remember when you like 
you know, did stuff when we were teenagers and like, now you're still doing it. And that's so cool. And it's like, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's like, even if you're not like, you know, on the front page of Rolling Stone or whatever, it's like, oh, like one, that doesn't mean that you won't be someday. And two, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, people can still appreciate you and still think that you're good, even if you're not like a huge mainstream success immediately, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you're saying about um, like the, with people, like I I noticed that like before this, I would like people would just come out of nowhere and I'd be like, who the, who the hell is this? Like, yeah, totally. You know, and, and it just kind of seems like weird that they just popped up out of nowhere. But doing this and then, you know, having people on and hearing their stories and and then just like there's a lot of work that goes into all that. Like you, I never, I didn't understand that. You know, I didn't understand like, like you, like Sterling, like you said, Sterling releases short in 2004 and then the 1491s were like 2008 or nine. And now we're in 2021. And I mean, they have their own show. Now they have their own. All this stuff has been building up. Like it's, it's, it's like, you got to look at the past work and how long they've been doing this. And it's, it's so crazy, man. It's so crazy when you actually sit back and think about all that. Yeah. It's like the way that I like to think about it and the way that I describe it to people is it's like your career in the entertainment industry is basically just built on like a pile of your previous accomplishments. And it's like, those kind of got to start somewhere. So it's like, you know, if you like get a, it like, it's like, if you're applying for like a writing job or something like that, or you're up for a writing job and you, you know, just got a master's degree in, um, you know, in screenwriting or something like that from, you know, USC or wherever, then they mm -hmm. can say, Oh, like this person is a good writer. They have a master's degree from USC in screenwriting, or I'm just using that as, I don't even know if they have a good screenwriting program and <laughs> that is whatever example they probably do. Cause it's, uh, it's USC, but, um, USC. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's like, oh, okay, they'll use that to pitch you like, oh, this person has a master's in screenwriting from USC. They'd probably be a good TV writer. And then, so then they hire you. And then the next job that you're up for, they're like, oh yeah, this person's a great writer. They wrote on this TV show and they've got a master's degree from USC. So then they hire you for that. And then maybe the show gets nominated for an Emmy. So then like the next job that you're applying for, they're like, oh yeah, this is an Emmy nominated writer. They wrote on these two TV shows and they've got a master's degree from USC, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, it just kind of works as like a weird diagonal ladder for that. So it's like, for me, like, you know, I definitely like, like all those credits that, that you mentioned up top, like Spirit Rangers, Molly Finale, New Looney Tunes, and I've written on a bunch of other things too. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, like when I was up to write for Spirit Rangers, me having written for New Looney Tunes and a bunch of other kids animated shows definitely were like you know good reasons to hire me because they're like oh yeah this guy's a good writer he's got a good script also he's written on these other things and then like i've been like nominated for awards and won a bunch of stuff so it's like oh those things are used to like validate me for like future opportunities you know mm -hmm. and it's like but it's like you also got to start somewhere and it's like you know like for me what got me like the looney tunes writing job back in like 2015 was like oh yeah, he's like a, a writer on this sketch group with this big comedy theater. And he like, you know, is a nice guy. And he like wrote this video, sketch video that got featured on like Tosh.0 or whatever. So it's like, that was used to pitch me for that. And then that was used to pitch me for other things. And like, but it's like, so you kind of just get these little like little nuggets and like little gold nuggets that you just kind of pile up. And eventually it like makes you seem like just a valid person to hire for jobs, basically. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it does actually.
yeah to me it does <laughs> it's like you gotta start somewhere yeah. it's like you know if you it's like maybe your version of that if you're like you know if you're a somebody who wants to be a tv writer listening to this maybe your version of that is like oh you wrote a pilot that like got into the second round of boston film festival or something and then like and then that like has some level of clout clout so then when you're like submitting for another thing then it's like oh this person has this good pilot that got the second round for austin film festival so now we'll definitely do a reading of it at this other film festival and then you can like use those two things to get bigger things and bigger things and bigger things and it's all kind of like it's all like uh it's uh, it's all like small bits of growth that eventually when you step back you see a huge pile of shit you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then so what if let's see so Spirit Ranger is the most recent thing you're working on now? Uh, yeah, Spirit Rangers is um, Spirit Rangers. We just uh, we just wrapped the writers room for that like a couple like late June, so a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I just finished that up. I've got a couple other things that I'm working on that are sort of like like I'm not sure if I can like announce them yet. I've got like a short film that's um, getting ready to go through the film festival circuit. That'll probably I'll probably be able to talk about that a little bit more like in a few weeks or something like that. So just follow me on Twitter and you'll get updates on that. And then um, I, uh, I had like an animated short that I made. This is, I, uh, let's see, I'll give you the limited amount of breaking news on it that I think I can give. Um, I made an animated short a few years ago that like got into a ton of festivals. It was called um, telling people you're native American when you're not native is a lot like telling a bear you're a bear when you're not a bear. The name's 24 words long. And uh, mm-hmm. it got shared around a bunch of places. We did a release with Illuminative. Um, and I think it's like, I think somebody since uploaded it to TikTok and now it's gone like crazy viral on native TikTok, which is cool. But, um, but uh, let's see, I think I can announce I am uh, working on a, a, a spiritual sequel to that with a, a really good media outlet that I'm excited to work with. And that should be out in the next couple months. Wow. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely I'll I'll shoot you an email when it's up. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be super cool. I think people are gonna like it. Yeah, yeah. Hit me up on e- on the email. And then you yeah, said, yeah. "What's on TikTok? What what, what was?" Oh, on just like oh, just like that that animated short, the one with the crazy long name, the bear one. Uh-huh. That's like it got uploaded to TikTok. Like somebody just downloaded it from my Vimeo and uploaded it to TikTok. Now it's got like three million views or something. What? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm cool with it because it's like at like at first when I saw that, I was like wait a second that's my video but then i like but then i like check the person's account and she's like she's like a native content creator who's like 22 and it's like oh i want to like support the next generation of native content creators and she even like in her next tiktok video was like hey i didn't make this video here's the credits of who made it they're super nice you should go follow them so i'm like oh you're all right you know so that's clear oh, she's cool. like, trying to do it the right way you know mm-hmm. i'll have um, to try to find that you know the, the oh, yeah, name yeah, or whatever I can just I'll shoot you a link to the to the video if you want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll check that out too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was. Uh. So yeah. I, you know, other than that, like it just you know being a writer, it's like you just keep on making stuff, and it's like you know, like I'm always writing different things, and you know, getting ready to pitch different things, and you know, I'm sort of uh like things are like starting to open up a little bit more due to COVID stuff, so like people are starting to like want to fly me out for like panels and shows and things like that which is cool like i'm uh speaking at um i'm speaking on a panel at like a native or a cordillera international film festival in reno next week kind of like a panel about like natives in hollywood that's mm-hmm. in reno nevada and then like i'm doing like a 
bunch of panels and shows in like Washington DC in like October, which is dope. So I'm like starting to get those again, which is fun. Wow. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How many, <clears throat> how many of those have you done? Like in all though? And all, I would say that like my, I, I had weird timing where like I've done a ton of shows in kind of LA just I've been doing live comedy since you know 2010 here and I've done a lot of shows mm -hmm. in like Washington too um but like as far as people like flying me out for things it was like it really started cooking in like honestly like early late 2019 early 2020 and like it got to the point where it's like I feel like January February 2020 I was getting flown out like every week to someplace new like i did like i got booked on like a show in florida a big like stand-up thing in new york i like did a bunch of shows at, like the sundance film festival um and then like i like ha was starting to like get a bunch of other stuff like that and then just like COVID happened and um you know, oh. uh, but it's like eh, it's fine i'm like yeah uh but like now that things are starting to taper down i can feel that sort of cresting up again you know mm -hmm. um and it's cool i'm like i would say that i'm like uh I'm like a writer performer, but like more of a writer. So it's like, for me, like getting flown out someplace is just like a fun bonus more than like, you know, whereas TV writing is like the thing I primarily do is like a job, you know? Mm -hmm. Are you, are any of your um, like com comedy shows on YouTube or anything? Um, I think I've got uh, like, I've got like a storytelling bit that I did at like the Virgil in Los Angeles. It's mm -hmm. on my Vimeo and then I did a um I'm not sure if this is still online but I took over Comedy Central's Instagram stories for Indigenous People's Day last year to basically just like do jokes about like native stuff and also like like I worked with Illuminative to put together a list of like 25 Native American comedians to follow for 2020 so it's like I did like the takeover of Comedy Central's Instagram stories to like do a bunch of jokes but also to like promote that list so mm -hmm. like because it's instagram stories i think those deleted after 24 hours but um yeah that's yeah. like the that's probably the like the digital stuff that i've got that's like me kind of doing comedy stand-up stuff usually what i do is like most of the time i like write for other people so i've got a lot of like if you go to my website i've got a lot of like sketches and things that i'm like not in but i wrote or directed or whatever damn that's pretty cool, man. Dude, you do a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's, uh, I, I, but that's the thing. It's like, I like, like, uh, you know, all this comedy stuff. It's like what my job is, but it's also like what I do for fun. So it's yeah. like, so it is this thing where it's like, oh, it's like, I just like doing it. So like, like our, like while we were on Spirit Rangers, um, like I really wanted to make, I'd never directed like a live action short film before. Mm -hmm. um, my my bear short with the long name, which I'll send you a link to. Like I directed that, but that was like animated two minutes. And that was my first time directing anything uh, for video. So, but like, I really wanted to make like a live action short film. Like I was going to try to do it in 2020, but COVID kind of like slowed things down a little bit. And um, there's just a lot of like, you know, actors and folks that I wanted to work with. So I like legit, took two days off from my writing job so that I could like go, you know, on a hiking trail in LA to shoot a short film for fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, I like, I just, I just like making stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not work. So because it's, you're right, actually, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's work and that it's like, it's, you know, it's definitely like, 
it definitely takes work to do, but it's like, it, it doesn't, it also like just feeds my soul. I just like doing it, you know? Exactly. Like you love doing it. I mean, like what well, people say, like you find something to, you love to do. It's like, you're not even working. Like, but I mean, yeah. work does go into it. I, I understand that, but you just love doing it, man. And you're really good at it. Like I can see like you're fucking great at it. Like oh, thanks, all the man. things like it. you just like all the things you just like said you work on and like it just comes to you. Like that's freaking cool, man. Oh, thanks, man. But it's like something I always like to tell people is it's like this is like a craft like anything else. It's like building mm-hmm. a shelf where it's just like where it's like, you know, like I feel like people think that like art and writing and creativity is like this magic thing that like you know, that like only comes to certain people or whatever. But like, I really think that like, it's like, oh, when I started 20 years ago, I sucked. <laughs> like, uh, But it's like by continuing to do it, you know, like, like if you were like building a house or building a shelf or like working on a car or whatever, it's like just the more that you do it, the more that you understand like the structure of how to do it and like the blueprints and like, you know, just the smart ways to do it. And then it's like, once you once you figure that stuff out, once you just kind of like grind away at it and like learn it, then it's less like this like magic thing. It's more just like, you know, it's like I said, it's like building a shelf or painting a house or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, I should have, man, I should have kept up writing. I started writing like when I was at, I, I, I started doing a little bit of it, but then I just like, I don't know, I, <laughs> I found myself like not being really good at it. So I just kind of stopped doing it. <clears throat> yeah and i should have I mean, kept at it i should you kept should it. you should get back to it man it's like uh i yeah, mean i've been if, trying if it makes you feel any better like i still suck a lot of the time <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like there are times where it's like but i think I, I think i've done it enough that it's like when i write something that's bad i like know it's bad and i know like oh i'll just like come back to it tomorrow and like do a rewrite pass on it and it's like and that'll make it a little bit better and it's like i i feel like a big part of writing is like forgiving yourself if what you're writing isn't good and like no and trusting that you'll be able to go back to fix it you know mm-hmm. yeah i um well back then i couldn't take criticism like yeah that's i'd write like, something too and then like my professors would tear it to shreds and it just made me feel like shit but now i can take criticism so i mean i've been writing some stuff but i need to like really start probably like diving more into it but i'm like i write here and there like just some like little ideas i have and for short films or whatever maybe and then dope yeah so i mean it's but it's not like i do it all the time like i'm busy with this now i got like some other stuff coming up but i in my spare time like i try to write some stuff out and i get that writer's block how do you get past writer's block (laughs) so like uh oh yeah i get i mean the real answer to that question is uh, when I have a deadline and know I'll get fired if I don't get through it. Uh, yeah, it's just like, that's a real good way to beat writer's block is if you're uh, paying, able to pay your rent is dependent on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, other than that, it's like, what I do is, uh, there, there's a couple things that I think help me break through if I'm just like not feeling like getting through on something or if I feel like I'm like stuck on something like one of the things that I like to do is this thing called morning pages uh basically what morning pages are is it's like when you wake up in the morning first thing set a timer on your phone or whatever for like five minutes and then pick up a notepad and just free write and like you could write you know 
I, loose ideas for shorts or pilots or movies or short stories or novels or whatever. Um, or you could just write, hey, I'm really tired. I like party too hard last night. Oh, my head hurts. You know, it's like, it's basically like permission to write anything, even if it sucks or is literally just like, I hate writing. I don't want to do this. And then like that, that for me, like when I, the short film that I shot a couple months ago, um, like when I shot that, like, I think the way I came up with the idea for that is like knowing, oh, I want to make a short film. Uh, like, okay, so what will it be about? And then I just like, you know, for a week, every morning woke up and spent five minutes just like jotting down loose ideas. And then like, after a couple of days of that, I like found like a couple, like, you know, two or three ideas where I was like, oh, I feel like there's potential here. And then like, I like fleshed those out a little bit more. And then like, you know, and then like, there was like clearly one that I liked more than the others that I like, you know, spent the next morning, five minutes, just kind of like loosely beating out how I thought it went. The beats are like sort of just kind of what happens in the story of like character arcs and stuff. And then like, you know, once I felt like that made sense, I just like opened up final draft and, you know, cranked out a draft of it in, you know, a day or something like that. And, um, you know, I think that like, but I think the morning pages are a really good way to just like get your mind going. Um, and then, and it's like five minutes a day, you know, anybody can, you know, five minutes a day is not that hard to find. Yeah. Um, and then um, like, if I'm like working on something, what I used to do before, before COVID is I would like, if I felt like I was really stuck on something like a script or whatever, and like, you know, writing for five, writing on it five minutes in the morning wouldn't like help so much. I would just like go to a Denny's or a Starbucks or like whatever, just so I could like, like getting in my car and driving someplace like it kind of guilted me into finishing the thing because I was like, oh, now I'm like driving in my car to a Denny's and I just spent like 15 bucks on like a salmon <laughs> skillet. Like, look, if I don't get at least some work done on this thing, but I've wasted $20, you know, um, <laughs> like it's it's a little bit tougher with the pandemic to like, you know, leave your house and do that stuff. Um, but like, you know, something like sometimes I'll like go for a walk around the block or it's like, if I'm working on like a word document on my computer and like, I feel like I'm like stuck on something, I'll like pull out a notepad and then lay on my couch and just kind of like free, see if I can get to it by free writing or I'll like move to the kitchen and write it on the kitchen table instead of my room or whatever, you know, sometimes just like changing locations or like getting up and going for a walk or whatever helps kind of like unstick stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna try that. The five minute writing, free yeah. writing. Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's a good way to just like, yeah. I feel like so much of it is just like writing without judgment. It's just like, it's okay if what you're writing sucks right now because you're the only person that's going to see it. And then like, you might be able to polish up one of those ideas into a good idea that you like, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good to know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very like, uh, I, I, I'm very hard on myself when it comes to a lot of things, man. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's like, I feel like that's the key to, um, the key to writing a little bit is just to like, it's like, let yourself suck. You know, it's like, it's like, be, oh, don't be so hard on yourself when you're like, when you're first starting out or when you're like first forming an idea. Cause like, even now, like 21 years into it, I'm a full drinking age of a person into this. <laughs> Still like my first version of an idea is probably not going to be ready to show people. It's just like, but after like, polishing it up a little bit and like working on it for like 
a little bit, then it'll be something that I can like send to somebody and know that it's like at least not awful, you know? Yeah, yeah. And even if it is awful, if somebody says, "Oh, this is real bad," then I'll be like, oh, "Okay, that's a good point." <laughs> like, you know, and I'll be able to like take that criticism, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good, man. I wish I had. Oh, I wish I could take criticism when I was younger. I didn't understand what that was, man. I didn't. I just thought I mean, they were like being mean or assholes or something. <laughs> I mean, it took me. It took me a while to get used to it too. I think that part of it is that like, this is one of the benefits of. Um, like for me, like living in Los Angeles and like being in a community of like, you know, other comedians and other comedy writers who I'm friends with is it's like, like uh, there's, there's constructive criticism and then there's just people hating and it's like, oh, like somebody that like, you know, if like a friend of mine is another comedian who's also a TV writer who like, also I know like kind of jives with my sense of humor and stuff like that then like the criticism that they're going to give me is probably going to be really constructive as to like how to make the thing that I'm making better. Whereas mm. if you just show your like mom or your brother or whatever, and they're just like, this is real bad. It's like, that's not, <laughs> that's not like real, that's not criticism. That's just them. You know, that's not mm. helpful. Like, and also yeah. it's like, Oh, it's like, if your, you know, brother or uncle or whatever, like, isn't a writer and they're criticizing your thing they're maybe not criticizing it from like an educated place you know Mm -hmm. so it's like oh like it's like part of it too is like taking no way like having the context of who is giving you the constructive criticism because for me it's like i could post something online that like could win awards and like you know go crazy viral and like you know everybody on Twitter like loves it, but then I can go over to the YouTube comments and everybody's just like, there's a spelling error here. I mean, that's <laughs> real criticism, but it's like, somebody's just like, this is dumb and whoever made it should die or whatever. And it's like, oh, the 11 year old who typed that comment is probably not somebody who's like coming at that criticism from a constructive place. And they also might just be an internet troll, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So just like being aware of like that stuff. Yeah. Know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Totally damn yeah that's yeah that's good to know too because yeah i take my family's like criticism like i i didn't understand it either like the difference between a professor and like your family like knowing the difference of your stuff like man this sucks or like your professor like you know you could have did this like this or why didn't you do it like this like you know like just yeah. knowing the difference yeah yeah it's like one of those like your professor like you know, I mean, there are definitely some professors who suck, but it's like, you know, yeah, it's like in a perfect world, your professor is like, if they're giving you criticism, they're giving it to you as a means to like help you try to make the thing better. Mm-hmm. And whereas like, you know, like your neighbor down the street or whatever, maybe is just, maybe he just like, doesn't like you and wants to make you feel bad or whatever. True. You know? Maybe he's <laughs> yeah. just being a shit, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like the note, it's like the note, this isn't funny. This should be funnier. That's not like a real, yeah, it's not like, that's not a real note, but like that, that's not something designed to make it better. But if somebody says, oh yeah, like the jokes aren't playing super strong on this, but if you like add a couple lines of justification here and then like shift this around here, then like, I feel like that'll like help it like click along better or whatever. That's like real criticism or like that's like a, a solution and not just this is bad and I hate you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, Joe, Joey, do you have any, uh, 
like uh, advice to get into writing before we get into the real stuff of the podcast, which is pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, actually, yeah, I'll get into that. Wait, I just, just so I can know. Do you watch WWE? Do you watch AEW? What's your NJPW? What's your what's your thing you're watching? Uh, I do WWE, some AEW when I can, but I, I love the. Uh, did you did you grow up on the Attitude Era? Oh yeah, like I, I that well, was I, my so, yeah, dude. Oh, that was my shit. WCW. I was I was a I was a diehard WWE WWF at the time guy. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Mick Foley, 1998 Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker. Yes. Like, like I had a lot of friends who were big WCW people, and like I remember legit like in the the kind of the apartment complex I lived in like the day after the 1998 undertaker mick Foley hell in a cell match grabbing my friends who were wcw fans in the neighborhood and being like yo wcw sucks like i just watched a guy almost die like four times in one match and then i would like make them watch the match and they're being i'd be like did whatever happened on halloween havoc was that cooler than that and they were like no that's cooler than what happened on halloween havoc i'd be like yeah that's right <laughs> um but uh, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So uh, writing advice, yeah. Anyway, back to more boring stuff. Um, yeah, I would say like writing advice for folks is like um, one, like just don't be afraid to start because it's like don't be afraid to start and don't judge yourself if like what you're making when you first start is like not as good as you want it to be. Like, you know, like I said earlier, like I'm like 21 years into this at this point. Um, like, uh, you know, we mentioned like Sterling Harjo in the 1491s. It's like he's got a Sterling Harjo has a show on FX now, but he made his first, you know, short film feature or whatever, like 16, 17 years ago or something like that. So it's like that should show you. And he probably even made shorts before that that like didn't screen at film festivals just because like that's always how the process works. So it's like understand that if you're like just starting out like it is just it's something that you got to like dedicate a lot of time to and it's like you're you're not gonna immediately win an emmy with your first thing that you write uh i mean you could that that's not outside of their own possibility but like if that doesn't happen then you're uh like that's it's more common to not win an emmy with your first writing than it is to win an emmy with your first writing um and like, also, you know, uh, like I said, like, don't be afraid to show your work to people. It's like, if you write like a really good TV script that you like, um, you know, don't be afraid to submit it for, you know, screenwriting contests and things like that. Um, like, don't be afraid to put it out there into the world. And also um, specifically for like TV writing and a lot of this stuff, there there is a, uh, there is like a format to it. There's like, there's some, there's like, a certain way that like a, a TV script is formatted that's different than how like a short story is formatted. So like, you know, I think it's important to like, you know, go to the library or rent, rent you know, pick up some screenwriting books or something like that. Um, just so you can know like how to, like just like how it looks on the page. Um, and like that, that's something that can really help move you from somebody that's like just starting out to somebody who knows what they're doing a little bit is if you just like format your stuff correctly. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so um, don't be afraid to put your work out there. Um, you know, don't be afraid to take a class so that your stuff's just like formatted correctly. Um, you know, um, uh, it's also really useful, I think, to like enter into 
creative communities of other people who are doing the same thing as you. So, you know, in LA, there's like a, you know, a very thriving live comedy community, film community or whatever. So it's like easy for me to find stuff like that. But maybe in your hometown, there's like a badass film festival that's doing a lot of cool stuff. And there are a lot of like filmmakers that volunteer at that festival or whatever. So like, that's a way that you could just surround yourself with other people doing the same thing. Cause it's like, you know, iron sharpens iron. Like if you, um, like if you're just writing your stuff in a vacuum, like, you know, you could probably like write some really good stuff, but it's like, ideally you want to have like an inner circle of like half a dozen to a dozen to two dozen, like just like friends who you came up with who like, you know, get your writing and you know that if you sent them a script or a story or whatever, that like they could give you constructive feedback to like help you make the thing better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that like forming those communities is really important. And then, um, you know, in addition to that, like on top of all that, just like be nice, don't be a jerk. You know, like I think that that's uh, people, people work with people that they want to work with and people don't work with people that they don't want to work with. And an easy way to get on the pe- person that people don't want to work with list is to be an asshole to everybody. Because, <laughs> you know, nobody wants to work with an asshole. Like, exactly. so yeah. You know, so yeah, and you know, on the same token of that, uh, you don't have to work with assholes. If you like, you know, volunteer at a film festival and the guy that runs it sucks, it's like you don't have to work with him. You know, you can, um, you can form your own community of people, and you don't have to work with people who suck or are jerks or whatever. Does that answer your question? Is that good advice? Did I help? Is that good? Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sweet. Go. <laughs> no. I think that's good. Yeah. So have you so have you just always watched wrestling? Um yeah, now we're now we're getting to the real shit. Um yes. everything everything before this you could just delete. <laughs> uh so I I got into wrestling. My first pro wrestling memory was um this might be before your time a little bit, but it was like 1991, 1992, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Macho Man Randy Savage. I remember flipping through the TV channels in my mom's basement. In on the Tlaib reservation and seeing Macho Man Randy Savage's arms tied up in the ropes while Jake the Snake Roberts had Jake the Snake Roberts is a, a wrestler that brought like a live snake to the ring. He had a, a, a cobra that he like opened the cobra's mouth and he made the cobra real life bite Jake or bite Macho Man Randy Savage on the arm. <laughs> and um, like reading interviews about that afterwards, uh, like everybody was like, oh yeah, we're pretty sure that Cobra was devenomized. Not 100% sure <laughs> um, to show you the level of, I guess, safety and thought went into this. But I remember flipping past this when I was a kid and just my mind being blown of just like, how is this on TV? <laughs> like a man is making another man get attacked by a snake in a pro wrestling match. Why aren't the police stopping this? Uh, <laughs> So like, you know, I remember going to like going to like my elementary school playground the next day and being like, yo, you guys see this shit? <laughs> and, um, you know, all of a sudden and then I watched the next week and then I was just in at that point. And, um, you know, and I've been I've been a fan ever since. I, you know, I feel like like all wrestling fans have kind of gone through my periods of being super into it, my periods of not being as into it. Um, but yeah, the Attitude Era was definitely like a high point, you know. Um, right now is a golden age for wrestling just because it's like, there's WWE, there's AEW, there's NJPW. There's like so many good 
wrestling leagues and so many good wrestlers doing a lot of good shit. How about you? What's your what's your wrestling uh, your wrestling story? Oh, man, so I remember I was in elementary school, and I think it was when so everybody was into like WCW, and so it was when the Outsiders came to uh, yeah, Monday yeah, yeah. Nitro, and they were sitting in the crowd. And then uh, the announcers are like, what are they doing here? You know, and they're like, they're supposed to be on the other show or some shit. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was like, I didn't know what WWF was. I just knew what WCW was because everybody watched it. And so I tuned in and I was like, just watching, like then watching everybody wrestle. And these two guys, two giant guys are just in the crowd and they were like, you know, just making a scene. And, And I think it was like, was it that next week when they jumped the barricade? And then they just started like beating everybody up with baseball bats. And then they uh they threw Ray Mysterio into that trailer head first. Kevin yeah, Nash did like a dart. Yeah, and like <laughs> then like Scott Hall picked up the microphone and he said, just like, you know who we are, but you don't know why we're here or whatever. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and then and they're talking about the third man or whatever. And I was oh, like, yeah. like, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what the hell? Like like it seemed real like this was like real dude and everybody was talking about it and then we'd all like fake wrestle at school and get in trouble and like just all <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> we'd all get in trouble and then uh and then like i couldn't we couldn't afford the pay-per-views i'd always watch the oh yeah I'd watch the, watch, i would watch the pay-per-views on scramble where it's like you go to the pay-per-view channel and you can kind of hear the audio but you're not getting the picture oh. like, I, like i did that for like years <laughs> <laughs> and i'd always ask my mom like man can we get this can we get you know and then and it was like no we can't like it's like 50 yeah, bucks like 50 or something bucks. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. she's like no like you can't get that and so I, I always watched like the build-up to each pay-per-view and then nwo came around and i can't exactly remember when i started watching uh wwf i think it was man You know what? I think it was channel surfing. I think it was channel surfing, right. and I and it it was another Monday night wrestling show. So I started watching it, and it was like a it was like a hardcore match, I think. And there's like trash cans and tables and chairs, and they're beating the shit out of each other. And this was like DX and The Rock, Mankind, Undertaker, Kane, like Stone Cold. There was like all these characters, and so I'd flip like. Back to channel 27, which is USA Network. About the, uh, back I miss to 17. I miss doing that. I miss having like two competing. Yeah, like I did the same thing where it's like, I think, I think my brother and I, we had like, it's like, yeah, it was flipped to like whatever the USA Network was and flipped to whatever TNT or TBS was. And it's just like, there's the button on the remote where you could flip back to the previous channel. And we would just do that whenever something not cool was happening during the show. And that was like, yes, that was like the coolest shit as far as being a wrestling fan goes yes yes so finally i have someone here to talk about wrestling yeah, finally <laughs> um oh my dope. god my favorite part about like being a wrestling fan is that like it feels like it's this like secret club that like it's like you don't like you don't talk about a ton publicly but then when you like find out that somebody else is in it <laughs> into it you're just like okay wait like how how deep nerd are they about this like I remember I was um actually this is another another just like an entertainment industry advice thing is like it's cool 
it's important to also be into, into stuff outside of writing and stuff like that. Cause it's like, I remember I was like, uh, I was writing on this um, like DreamWorks kids sketch comedy show in like 2016. And um, my, my boss, um, I'll, uh, I'll name drop him, a really dope guy named Alex Hoffman. Um, like I wrote a sketch for this like Shrek web series that was like, oh, I want to just squeeze in as many deep nerd pro wrestling references into this episode of the Shrek web series as I possibly can. <laughs> and I was like, and I like pitched it to my boss, to, to Alex. And I was like, uh, oh yeah, uh, you know, so like, uh, you know, like, uh, so he's calling himself like, you know, the reason that, he, that he's saying Shrek 316 is that like there's this wrestler called Stone Cold Steve Austin who blah, 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 uh, you know, and he was like, oh, I know. And I was like, wait, you know, you wait, you know, you you know why I'm having a heel in this show be being called the Roman whose finisher is the spear and he's supposed to be a good guy, but the fans don't like him. <laughs> like, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware. And then he like took me over to his desk where he had like the young bucks, like too sweet, like <laughs> Like he made like a paper young bucks too sweet hand at his desk so he could too sweet it whenever he was like whenever he got like a good work email or whatever and I was like oh this guy's like in like this guy's like a deep nerd and now I'm like good friends with that guy and like now we you know uh, like not only do we like you know talk about wrestling shit but like we also keep each other in mind for gigs and stuff and it's like mm -hmm. you know it's like that's that's a way to kind of form your like like I said just like inner circle of homies who like you work with and like and stuff and it's like you know for me like pro wrestling is a big like I get I've gotten a lot of jobs and things based on just being somebody that like a showrunner likes to talk about pro wrestling with you know <laughs> what are you um what are you into now are you new Japan or uh I would say that like I'm I'm a big time AEW person um I'm, I feel like similar to you I just like you know it's like there's so much wrestling right now there's Dude, like nwa yeah. there's njpw there's ring of honor there's like you know there's uh yeah like gcw WWE, wwe alone has like 14 hours of new wrestling a week or something yeah so like i feel like aew is the only one that i can really like watch watch every week mm -hmm. um you know wwe like i keep tabs on it and if there's like a good nxt uk match i'll definitely try to check it out um like new japan kind of same deal where it's like oh if there's like something that's like getting a, a high rating then i'll try to check it out but aew is like mostly my jam right now um but yeah i'm stoked i'm uh like my my friends and i we're going to over the next three weeks we're going to pwg uh gcw and njpw all doing los angeles shows in august and i'm uh real excited <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't really. Well, like with WWE, I just kind of keep up with um, uh, just just like the news, just news. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I read the it's just, sheets or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, like, what's just... what's Meltzer giving a high rating to? <laughs> oh, Dave Meltzer. Oh hell yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I like listening to him like in the morning sometimes. So uh, just, like... oh, okay, yeah. So you're you're a deep nerd at this point. If you like know who Dave Meltzer is, you're like it's like oh, yeah, you're in too deep at this point. <laughs> everybody's like, where does he get all his info? And then he released something like a few months ago, and everybody's like, where do you get this and all this? That I was reading the comments and everything, and. 
I was like, just enjoy it. Like this guy just knows all the scoops and <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you been following the uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, CM Punk stuff? Yeah, yeah. They're uh, is CM yeah. Punk with AEW? So it's not like. At this point, I'm sure. I feel like if you look at like the listener analytics for this episode, it's like by this point, it's really just us talking. <laughs> you're still listening to this. Uh, I don't know. Strap in because you're gonna get some deep wrestling bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, yeah, I'm just not even gonna give context. If you don't get it, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, actually, no, I'm not sorry. You you were warned. Um, yeah. Uh, so CM Punk, Brian Danielson, um, like. I don't think CM Punk is like officially, I mean, they haven't announced that either of these guys are signing, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, and uh, anybody listening to this is going to lose all respect for me in going to this level of minute detail. Uh, Living Color, the band from the 80s, does CM Punk's entrance music, and they started following the AEW Twitter account (laughs) uh, recently, like within the past couple of days. And then people started posting it because they're just like, oh, like, why else would this band follow AEW if like the wrestler whose entrance music they like created, like wasn't going to sign with the company. And then what made it even more suspicious is once people like started sniffing that out, Living Color unfollowed the AEW. (laughs) No, people are like, oh, that's like CM Punk's coming to AEW. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like Daniel Bryan, it's also like that one seems like even more of a lock. Uh, so yeah, uh, in short, I'm a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Man, AEW is just refreshing, though. I mean, yeah, I watched WWE, and it was just kind of like the same thing over and over, rehash. And AEW is just kind of like it brings back nostalgia, and then it's just refreshing to see another company um, compete. You know, what I, what I appreciate is that you know WWE is. Like WWE is like booked by like that the, essentially the head writer the guy in charge of everything is in his like mid seventies at this point. Really? Yeah, Vince McMahon's like seventy five years old or something. Oh, never mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. never mind. And um, I forgot he's a head guy. Yeah, yeah, and it's like so like the product it definitely feels like everything is through the filter of a guy in his seventies and like mm-hmm. some like, and he's also you know he's like a guy that has been making pro wrestling for 40 years or 40 years at this point. So he like knows what he's doing and sometimes they do really good stuff, but like, mm-hmm. he's just very like out of touch in a lot of ways. Whereas AEW, all of the guys in charge in AEW are like 35, 36, you know, it's like, I like, I think, so it's like, because of that, I feel like everybody in charge one came up through the attitude era, which we all, you know, came, came up with watching and loving. And two, they're just because they're in their 30s, they're just more with it in terms of pop culture stuff. So it's just so much of a fresher show that like they're trying to create the show that they loved growing up as opposed to like, you know, a guy in his 70s who's just like going to the same old shit a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever hear the Dean Ambrose on Chris Jericho podcast? Oh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was dope. Yeah, that was, that was badass. (laughs) Um. Wait, I can, uh, I, I uh, let's see. I could talk about this a little bit. I actually, um, I was, I was up for, I got offered a job to write for WWE SmackDown last year. Whoa. I, I was going to ask you if you ever wanted to write for wrestling. I was going to ask you that. I, so like, if you would have asked me that question from like age 16 to age 35, I would have said, oh, hell yes. Um, but, 
you know, I think that for me, it's like I they offered me the job. I, I turned it down because, you know, I guess just to be completely honest, I've like, you know, at, at the point, the product wasn't like WWE television. It's just the way they were doing storylines at the moment, like didn't really feel like something I'd be like creatively excited about writing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, kind of in addition to that, like I have a lot of friends who've like written for WWE over the years. And it's just that like, it's very much, you know, like, like I said earlier, they make 14 hours of wrestling a week. So it's like, it's very much just like a meat grinder of content and writing. And it just didn't feel like it would be like, it didn't feel like it would be like a fun writing job for me at the time. And like, you know, at the time I had like writing on spirit Rangers, which, um, like is a really cool show, you know, kind of in the ether. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can write for this uh, show that it would probably make me hate my life or I could write for this show that I would like have fun writing. <laughs> so I chose the fun one, you know, um, mm. but, uh, but they, did, um, they did fly me out to Connecticut. They flew me out to Stanford. I got a selfie in front of the Andre the Giant statue they have in the lobby. Uh, I interviewed with like, you know, all their head writers. I met like Bruce Pritchard, which was fun. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like that I essentially got like, that I got the experience of interviewing for them and I got like an offer letter, which I printed and framed and is in my living room. Nice. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, that's, I feel like, I feel like I did the thing, you know, it's like, I feel like, I feel like I got that. They offered me a job was like, oh, like if I, if I would tell myself that at age 16, I would be over the moon. And then if I told myself that I didn't take the job, I'd be like, what's your problem, dude? And I'd be like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like your dreams when you're 16 aren't necessarily going to be your dreams when you're 36, 37, and that's okay, you know? And mm -hmm. then, you know, I still probably would have been like, yeah, but you could have written for Nick Foley. And I'd be like, I'm not wrestling for them anymore. And then I'd be like, oh, I get it. You know, it's fine. Uh, Did you have any uh, storylines that you would have... Uh... Uh, yeah, I was like, I, I think that's something that they really liked a lot is that a lot of the stuff that I do, I do a lot of stuff on, um, you know, kind of using social media in like interesting ways in terms of just like comedy bits and stuff like that. Like I'm a very online comedian and, um, a lot of my pitches for them were like, oh, like you could use, there's a way that they could leverage the WWE network, you know, their YouTube channel, Twitter and stuff like that in like interesting ways to like just make their storylines feel like more alive than they do so like the fiend is a wrestler who you know uses kind of like tv and like he kind of like he's like a horror villain but also he hosts like a mr rogers style tv show and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i was like oh there's a way that you could use that to leverage a really good feud with like anybody but specifically like kofi kingston or something like, I think that you could do, like you promote like a documentary on the WWE Network about the New Day. Um, and then like, you know, then, then like two minutes into the documentary, you just have like static hits and then it becomes an episode of Firefly Funhouse with The Fiend essentially talking about how like positivity's dead and like hate or whatever The Fiend pitches is like the new way of thinking. And then like that becomes news on WWE's Twitter account is like the fiend took over this, like, you know, sorry, the fiend took over this new day documentary. We'll air the whole documentary next week. Uh, you know, like, sorry about that technical difficulties, whatever. And then on like SmackDown the following week, you can have like Kofi Kingston, you know, Biggie, 
and um, Xavier Woods can talk about like, you know, like how they're bummed out that the Fiend like took over the documentary or whatever. And the Fiend could like slowly interfere in their matches. And basically like the point of the Fiend doing that is he's trying to turn Kofi Kingston heel. And then mm-hmm. the story becomes like positivity winning over hate, you know, mm-hmm. or the power of positivity, which is the New Day's thing versus, you know, hate or hurt or heal or whatever the Fiend's thing is. So that yeah. it's like, those are the kind of storylines that I was like, you know, like, oh, this would be like a cool thing where you could leverage like all of WWE's media tentacles to like do something badass that fans would love, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, then I also up. pitched, but then I also pitched, oh, it'd be funny if you made Kona Reeves the NXT jobber world champion. And they did not think that that was funny. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> shout out to Kona Reeves. I think he's very good. <laughs> <laughs> And shout out Big E. He won that money in the bank. Oh, yeah. Big E, I love the new... Like, a lot of stuff on WWE is not great. The New Day rules. I love the New Day. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm surprised it's gone so long. Like, they haven't broken them up or any... Well, they tried to, I guess, with the brand put, split and all yeah, that. Yeah, they put them on different shows, but they're not... Yeah. They still feel like they're, like, a unit, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I think that that's, like... That's a testament to those guys as, like... As talents, though, is, like... I feel like whenever, whenever things felt like, feel like they're getting a little stale with the new day, they just do like a small change to like freshen it up. So it's just like, oh, they were super into bootios and they started throwing pancakes into the audience. And then like, you know, it's like, it started with like Xavier Woods having a trombone that he played walking to the ring. Cause sure. Why not? <laughs> and then they were like, oh, like, you know, we're a tag team and Kofi's usually a tag team guy, but now we're all about Kofi winning the world title. And then like, now they're like biggies our new singles guy you know like so i feel mm. like i feel like they're really good at like just like subtle changes to freshen things up to keep them a fresh unit seven years later you know yeah yeah i caught one of their pancakes too at a, you, an wait, event did, uh sweet did you eat it no well, like uh so <laughs> they came out it was a smackdown event and yeah. um <clears throat> we were they came out and then they were throwing stuff and i was like what the hell is that and then it was like when they first kind of started because I didn't really keep up with it, you know, but we went and they're throwing stuff out and had my hand up and it was right coming towards my hand and I caught it and I looked at it as like, it's a pancake. And I was like, oh, and I put it in my pocket. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's also funny too. Is it's just like, oh, it's like, yeah, he threw a pancake at you and you're like, I guess I'll keep this very perishable food item. <laughs> like, are you going to frame it? That would be weird. <laughs> like, Oh, I forgot it was in my pocket and I washed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, even if, but even if you didn't wash it, would you would you keep this just loose pen? <laughs> like, I don't know. Because <laughs> like, it'll get moldy like, at some point. Yeah, yeah. It'll... <laughs> like that pancake's not going to keep. <laughs> that was super. It was like, it was like, it was a little bitty pancake though. It was like, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, do I eat it or? And I was like, I'll I mean, just watch. Yeah, I just... <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll just put this in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, my big cargo pants pocket. Yeah, that's, that's where I put it. <laughs> who's, who's your Mount Rushmore wrestling? Mount, Ru- <laughs> uh, Mount Rushmore <laughs> wrestling. That's a good question. I feel like forever, my forever Mount Rushmore for people. Uh, I would say. Mick Foley has got to be on that list because, like, he was so much my guy in the 90s. Um, right now, I would say 
I would put the Young Bucks on that list. Would you? Yeah, I think the so. Young Bucks. I think so. I'd put the Young Bucks as two two entries on that list, and then uh, my if I can only do four, uh, my fourth one would probably be. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say Nyla Rose because like I appreciate how she she's like proudly she's like proudly native she's like Oneida and but it's like her gimmick is not a stereotype mm-hmm. like she can at the same time have gear that references like the Hananashoni um like treaty belts while also having gear that references her love of Mega Man, you know, like mm-hmm. she's like, like I appreciate her as like, uh, just like what she does as like, uh, you know, as, as like just kind of in all facets of wrestling. So yeah, yeah. I would say that I would say that that's tough, but that's probably that's probably my top four now. I mean, there there are other wrestlers that I like, you know, like like watching more now. It's like, you know, uh, like. Kenny Omega's run right now is great. Like, you know, if you saw Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage at GCW, it's like uh, Nick Gage is the hottest baby face in wrestling right now. And Matt Cardona is the most hated heel in wrestling right now. You know, um, Ciampa and Gargano, if you would have asked me three or four years ago when they were in the middle of their intense feud, they would have absolutely been on that list. Um, you know, uh, like Miro's AEW TNT run, right? TNT title run right now is like fucking amazing. There's just a, uh, we're like, there's there's an embarrassment of wealth in pro wrestling right now, and it's so cool to see. How about you? Who are who are your people? Oh my god, Mick Foley, of course, hardcore legend. Yeah. When yeah, I grew yeah. up, when I grew up, man, I, I I started understanding what he put himself through, like just for entertaining us. You know, That's, like when that that shit where it's like I like you know I feel like a lot of folks when I was in high school I like wasn't the best student and I like. Like I like almost failed out of high school. I think I graduated with like a 1.2 GPA. And the thing that got me to turn around and graduate high school was honestly the Mick Foley Mankind versus The Rock. I quit match promo before the match Mm -hmm. where Mankind said, I will not say them here nor there. I will not say them anywhere. I will not say those words you twit. I will not, will not say I quit. And that became like my like creed in high school to like get me to like apply myself and actually graduate. Um, so like, yeah, man, Mick Foley, uh, Mick Foley's always going to be on that list. He's great. He got me to graduate high school. He did it. <laughs> that match was crazy though, dude. Oh yeah. Or... I don't, I can't watch that match now. Cause it's like, oh, the amount of concussions. Oh, Mick Foley's it's like, oh, maybe he should have quit. Maybe <clears throat> he should have quit before all those unprotected chair shots from the rock. Oh my God, dude. I like, I, yeah, I watched it when I was older on the WWE network. And I was like, dude, I remember watching this, like, well, not the whole thing, but snippets of it on yeah. Raw the next night. So I watched it, you know, when I had the WWE Network and, dude, he gets handcuffed and yeah. then just, just gets, like, beat the shit out of with that chair. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Yeah, that match is, like, I can still watch the Hell in a Cell match because, like, that feels like a match where it's like, oh, other than the fall through the cell, everybody felt pretty in control. 
but yeah, like the, that that I quit match. It's like tough to go back and watch that match. Yeah, it's just yeah. like that's like too brutal. <laughs> that's crazy, man. We used to watch that like just. Oh yeah, it was just normal. Like when we were kids, and we'd recreate it. Like we, I would recreate it like with pillows. But <laughs> like, yeah, that's, did you watch ECW at all growing up? Oh man, like well, that was when it was only pay per view, right? It was it was pay per view, and it was on TNN a little bit. But it's like oh, we didn't have TNN. They they made a pretty good. There was a pretty good example of like. Uh, I remember watching this when I was like, yeah, like 16, 17. And it was like New Jack versus Vic Grimes. And New Jack's gimmick at the time was that he would dive off of very high structures and do a splash on his opponent. So he would like climb on a balcony 20 feet above the ring and dive off of that into the ring to splash a dude. And um, he was wrestling Vic Grimes um, in this match. And like, something went wrong and new Jack, like they were like on a scaffolding that was 25 feet above concrete and oh. new Jack like fell off of it accidentally. And then Vic Grimes stumbled off of it and fell onto new Jack. And it like, it like, it like gave him a concussion. I think fractured his skull. It like messed new Jack up like legit. And like, they just continued on with the show. Oh like, my God. And it's like, oh yeah, you look at stuff like that now. And it's like, oh, I'm glad that we know what we know now about like concussions. <laughs> and like, and it's like, oh, it's okay to like take a break if a wrestler has a fracture. You don't have to. Mick Foley, if you were like four concussions deep in a match, they can stop the match. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like we care about your safety as humans. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Mick Foley's a freaking legend, man. Like, yeah. I can't. Yeah, he's number one. He has to be. And then my number two, I man, I like The Rock, dude. I love The Rock as a heel. Oh, yeah, heel. The Rock's great. Yeah, yeah. As a heel, he was awesome. Like, he just always said the right things, and everybody hated him. And and uh, I like Heel Rock. Heel Rock is number two, probably. Um, I think I have to put Stone Cold on there. Oh yeah, Stone Cold is yeah, Stone Cold's definitely like yeah. I mean, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin is just toughest sob out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Really hate he had to retire early, but I mean, I I'm still holding out hope that we'll get a Stone Cold Steve Austin CM Punk match. Really, like, I I think that, and this is just me talking. Mm-hmm. I think that like um, I think that Stone Cold Steve Austin, like. Like, I think that Tony Khan, the guy that owns AEW, he's legit a billionaire. He, his dad owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. He, yeah, he legit has a billion dollars. I think that he's a guy that would like pay what it would take to pay to get that match. Like, and like, especially if CM Punk is coming to AEW, it's like that does not feel outside of the realm of possibility for that to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, I'd love to see that, man. I'd love to see yeah. Stone Cold at least one more time yeah just like one one that's all we need one more match one one more when i'm older yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) if Shawn michaels can do it if uh i mean i'm not sure if Shawn michaels should have done it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that was damn that was pretty bad was it was that in saudi arabia yeah yeah, that was like saudi arabia it was like the brothers of destruction versus dx and it was like triple h torres peck muscle like 30 seconds into the match <laughs> and it was like and it's also like oh all those guys were like over 50 and it's like oh, they're doing their best but also they're like over 50 
Oh, fuck. And I think the last one would be, man, I really like Triple H, but I really like The Undertaker. The The Undertaker is, okay, so this, this might make me seem controversial, mm-hmm. but um, The Undertaker was on that list for me for a while, but I feel like, um, I don't know, it's just like seeing... Uh, Seeing like the man Mark Calloway on podcasts now, I think has made me like the Undertaker less. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's just he's like he's a very, I guess, uh, he's a very like outspoken guy when it comes to his politics, like mm-hmm. just on podcasts and stuff in a way that's like, oh, I'm not sure if you're like somebody who I would enjoy hanging out with. Oh, really? Like he definitely seems like a guy that like lo- loved a lot of Rush Limbaugh, if that makes sense. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, just the mystique is gone for me. Uh, I only heard him on a Joe Rogan podcast. How was he? How was he on that? Was he cool? He just talked about wrestling. Like, he talked about where he started and then what led him into like keeping up with it because he was like a basketball player and he yeah, had an yeah, opportunity yeah. to go to the to European basketball. And then his friend wanted him to try wrestling. So he got up like $2,000 to do this wrestling thing with, um, oh, I forgot his name. But he just, that guy took his money, took advantage of him. And he took all these people's money and just ran them off, like tried to make everybody quit. But The Undertaker stayed and worked out. And then he said he came to his house one day and then everything was gone. Like that oh, house yeah. was cleaned out. Oh, yeah. I think I heard this story. And, uh, he just left his dogs. That guy left his dogs. So the Undertaker took those dogs in, kept them. And then um, after that, like he just he stayed in like some lobby at some, I think it was some wrestling place. And finally, like he was about to stop doing that. And then the person like came and said, Hey, like I want you to come wrestle for us. You know, you look like my son that died and gave him a chance. And then he got, uh, who was it? Uh, Dang it, the guy's wrestling, like he went too hard on him. So that guy beat the shit out of the Undertaker. Oh, yeah, the Bruiser Brody thing. <laughs> Bruiser Brody, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was like telling trying to tell uh, Undertaker to calm down and he didn't do it. And then, you know, Bruiser Brody did his thing. <laughs> yeah, that is uh pro wrestling is nuts. <laughs> like it's like you hear stories like that where it's just like, oh yeah, so this guy like stole two thousand dollars from this other guy who wanted to train. And then the other guy in retaliation stole his dogs. And then he got in like a real fight in a wrestling ring during a match because he hit a guy too hard. It's just that like, I don't know. It's like, I love pro wrestling, but I also like the backstage of it. It's just like, oh, everybody in wrestling is a freak. <laughs> like, but I mean that, I mean that in a way of everybody in comedy is a freak, you know? Uh, so it's like, it's just there. Everybody in wrestling is a specific type of weird that I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the more polite way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to be if you want to work, what, 300 days a year? Yeah, if you want to work 300 days a year and get uh, dropped on your head for a living, it's like <laughs> you got to be a weirdo for some level, on some level. And the same way for me, it's like, oh, if you want to get paid to like just make fart jokes for a living, you got to be weird in a specific way to like do that, you know? <laughs> Man, I might go Triple H. Triple H, I get that. Triple I might H go Triple is... H. I get that. I might go Triple H. I can't really. Maybe Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. Chris Jericho. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Let me see. 
maybe DDP. <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to DDP Yoga. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it is tough. Like, I guess that for me, like, there are so many good pro wrestlers now that it's like it's really hard for me to not have recency bias, which is recency bias is like, oh, you like you like stuff that happened more recently, more often like you're more likely to like a new thing than you are to like an old thing just because you experienced the new thing sooner than you experienced the old thing. So you're like, mm -hmm. emotions are fresh, but it's like, there's just so many good wrestlers right now that it's like, it's like so many of my favorite wrestlers are like current wrestlers. Cause like wrestling rules right now, you know? Yeah. 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 I'll, I might just throw gold dust in there. Fuck yeah. It. Gold dust is great. I like his longevity. His match versus Cody was like dope, you know. Mm -hmm. Like recent though, like recent four, I'd probably say Kenny Omega. Um, man, I just like man. I don't know. I don't want to say like all of the uh, um, Bullet Club members. Yeah, it's <laughs> Bullet Club was. Like, it's to be like Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like the elite. Yeah, sure. Bullet Club was cool, man. I remember uh, I was at my brother's, and that's when I first introduced to was introduced to the Bullet Club. On he had a channel that had New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then that's when um oh what's his name the leader uh not Finn Balor but he's in WWE now um, uh yeah AJ Styles AJ Styles he was the leader yeah. at the time, and he just won that championship, and they're all in a ring and they're it, it looked just like the NWO, and I was like what the hell is this? So I watched it and they went in the back and they celebrated and. That was that was my introduction to Bullet Club. Yeah, it's just like all that stuff is so good. Like it's just, I mean, I don't know, even on JPW, it's like Minoru Suzuki rules. Like, you know, uh, Kota Ibushi is like probably one of the best wrestlers going. Like there's just, there's so much good shit. And it's, it's this is like a golden age to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, I, I have the uh, AEW like DVR'd, so I need to catch up on it. I did watch that triple cage match. Did you see that? <laughs> oh yeah, the War Games match. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Yeah, you should you should catch up. There's uh now that crowds are back, the shows have like they were already good, but now the crowds are back, it just causes them to like level up a, even a little bit more. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's great. Well, bro, I'd love to do this again. Like, just yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd love to do this again. You know, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And um, you want to shout out your socials? All that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can um, if uh, if anybody is still listening after we <laughs> talked about pro wrestling for just with no context or explanation <laughs> as to who people are for forty five minutes, uh, which like ah, I'm cool. With that. I don't know. Look. Let us have this. Um, uh, yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joey Tainment. You can follow me on Instagram at Joey Clift with like five or six eyes. Uh, some twelve-year-old took regular Joey Clift with one eye, so now I gotta gotta settle with the longer one. And um, let's see, stuff to promote. You can check out my short film. Telling people you're Native American when you're not Native is a lot like telling a bear you're a bear when you're not a bear on Vimeo. Or if you go to any of my socials, you can find easy links to that. Spirit Rangers comes out on Netflix in 2022. I think it's going to be a really cool show. You guys should check it out. And then um, uh, I should also say 
this is uh, another stop in the Joey Clift has some free time. So he's spending it guesting on podcast summer 2021 tour. So you can follow that on social media at hashtag J-C-H-S-F-T-S-H-S-I-G-O-P-S 2021. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about making a poster and merch for this tour. <laughs> yes. And if I do, it will have the name of this podcast on it and the date that I'm on it. Yes. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. This is super fun. And yeah, I had a lot of fun, man. I had a lot of fun getting to know you and, you know, just knowing like you're into wrestling too. Like I didn't know that, you know, so it was yeah, fun dude. to talk about it. It was fun to talk yeah. about it. The two things, the three things I think about at all times are comedy, pro wrestling and cats. Really, it's those, those are the three quadrants of my brain. <laughs> cats are dope. We'll have to talk about cats when you come back. Home. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, we'll save that. That's a teaser for next time. <laughs> oh man well yeah thanks for coming on bro like i really do appreciate it and everybody go follow him you know go check out everything he's doing um send me those links uh to your uh vimeo movies and um yeah uh and if you're not subscribed to okie podcast please do that it's available everywhere i would say just google it um go follow the instagram page okie podcast facebook page Uh, my personal is russell sunnygo if you want to follow me add me whatever so yeah I guess until next time, everybody. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Don't forget the money, babe.